Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. Head over to our friends, WorldSoccerShop.com, for the best Chelsea gear around all right, my name is Brandon, and joining me for another episode are Dan and Nick. Dan, what in the world have you been up to this weekend besides basking in Chelsea's victory? Oh, that, that's probably the first bit, because uh, it was a, yeah early kickoff for us. But uh, I actually been to Disney this weekend, and currently driving home. So I think I might be the uh, most muffled I've ever been on this podcast. Muffled, but not muzzled. Still yes. plenty of great opinions to share. All right. Very good. Nick, uh, what about you, man? Oh, you know, I had a pretty productive day when you have to wake up at 6 a.m. to watch soccer. I got a lot of a lot of housekeeping stuff done. Kind of a boring adult day yesterday, but watch my Nebraska Huskers go to 6-0 and for the first time in 15 years. So I'm pretty excited about that. You know, you get up early. There's so many more hours in the day. You just didn't <laughs> know what to do with it. Yeah, I slept in today, though, so I think yeah, I'm, I'm gaining back some of the, the lost sleep. 
Good. I'm glad to hear you made up for it. Uh, in this episode, we're going to go ahead and be covering the Leicester City trip to Stamford Bridge this past Saturday. Uh, we'll definitely be talking about Conte slash his backroom staff changes possibly. Uh, depends if you listen to the bookies or not. And we'll go ahead and answer your social media questions as well. Uh, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up with a look ahead to the Jose return to Stamford Bridge. <laughs> Except right. this time he'll be on the other side of the dugout, Nick. Yeah, I'm sure there won't be anything to talk about with that. So Yes. Yeah, that'll well, be actually a, quite a quiet build-up to the match. <laughs> well, since we didn't do a pod last week, blame the international break, not us. We didn't schedule it. Uh, we thought we'd make sure you know, we did something a little extra special for all of you out there. So we asked our great friend Dan Levine to join us. So welcome back, Dan. Hi, great to be here. So Nick, you know, as we've you know, continued to talk about our guests and caps, I mean, Dan, I think he's probably the outright leader i'm pretty sure i you know i know that joe tweeds had a a run there for a while to try and make up some ground on you dan but i'm pretty sure you're our most capped guest to this point uh that's an honor an honor it makes, does that make me a captain leader legend almost <laughs> i think so <laughs> and then what, what would tweeds be then would tweeds be the lampard of the group He's more sure like he a uh, like a Cesc Fabregas. You know, they can only play in a very specific type of role. No, Joe's Joe's more flexible than that. He's more of a Dave. <laughs> uh, we just need eleven of them. Yeah, heard that. we'll have to reach out and see what Tweeds thinks about that. But uh, <laughs> gentlemen, part one match review. Let's let's get stuck in. Let's dig right into this uh, because the reigning Premier League champions, Leicester City came to Stamford Bridge back in Premier League action this past Saturday. As you all know by now, unless you were hiding under a rock, Chelsea 3, Foxes 0. We did, we did throw some predictions out. Dan was texting us late at night saying, hey, we forgot to do this. What do you guys think? So, Dan, what, where were we at? Uh, well, well, none of us got it right. Uh, I mean, we, you know, two of us did predict, yeah, two of us did predict a win. Uh, one of us was a little bit more pessimistic guess the draw in, uh, in Nick yep. and, uh, and that didn't happen so uh, so Brent and I kind of like got a half point I don't know something like that we, we, we keep really really you know official scoring for this so uh, I'm sure we can talk about a record at some point <laughs> we'd all have zero points if it were a table <laughs> so oh no Brandon got one right it's yeah. true it he's, was he's, he's a table leader yeah, at this point in the season, it was a fluke. But <laughs> I do want to say thanks to Jay for go ahead and asking our Facebook group uh, for score predictions. Uh, Jay posted in there saying, what do we all think? JT's back, William's out, 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, asking some questions, and Maman Khan, go ahead and predicted that 3 nothing win. Uh, so shout out to you two for uh, kind of get that ball rolling, as we always kind of love to see you guys get in, because you're clearly better at this than us. Um, but, you know, Nick, rattling through the goals, we started off Costa with the scoring. He now has seven goals in seven games. And here's a fun fact for you. Since Costa joined Chelsea in July 2014, only Sergio Aguero, 55, and Harry Kane, 48, have scored more goals in the Premier League than Diego Costa, who's on 38. And that is thanks to 4-4-2. Well, he's certainly... Um gone through some ups and downs in form that's that's nothing new and has had injuries and has had suspensions so um you know i, I think you know 38 is actually a pretty impre impressive number 
if he keeps on that pace this year, I mean, he'll, he'll close the gap on Harry Kane for sure. Um, but he, he's just – he finds – you know, the, the goal he scored yesterday, the perfect Diego goal. He finds himself in the right spot. He, he hits it kind of awkwardly. It goes in. He, he doesn't score pretty goals. You know, I don't think that's ever been his trademark, but they go in the back of the net, and that's what matters. Well, and he also doesn't take penalties like Aguero. So Valid. think about what his uh, goal record could be. Well, I guess, you know, bringing Dan Levine in on this um... – you know, with the goals yesterday, obviously Hazard got one shortly after. Uh, we did see a lot of the the number twos on the hands being held up for William in twenty two. Um, I mean, that was pretty. You know, I, I don't know. I guess what. So, how was the atmosphere with all the goals raining in and kind of tributes to William and everything? I think it was great. It's always a little bit funny playing games on a, on a lunchtime kickoff because an awful lot of the atmosphere in the ground does come from the amount of ale that's been imbibed by the people there. <laughs> and uh, the earlier you start, the less that you have a chance to get it down here. Um, but it was good, good, uh, good uh, atmosphere. And I think the reaction, well, yeah, when Chelsea are cruising, people are loving it. And uh, it was a really, really positive, a really quite emotional display for, for William, who, who couldn't be there, of course. With that being said, I guess, so over here in America, I don't think you can really start serving alcohol until seven in the morning. Is there a restriction like that over in the UK as well? Uh, there, there are ways around it. We've got, we've got quite open, <clears throat> excuse me, licensing laws here now. Uh, and on a Saturday in particular, it's, it's not, not too difficult. On a Sunday, it's more difficult. Um, but, you know, it's just a, a logistics thing. People get out of bed at certain times. So there's less, less time to, to refresh, I think. Sure. No, that makes total sense. Um, you know, I guess so as we get through that, uh, halftime, you know, cruising to the results, to nothing. And then uh, Victor Moses just showed us that he literally cannot stop running and that he's got mad hops with that back foot, even in the 89th minute, Dan. I mean, this guy, um, you know, just has an unbelievable motor. Yeah, I, th- I think he does. And, and uh, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later, but he fits – so so well against all the odds into this wing back position that Conte has created for him. Um, yeah, he goes forward, he goes back, he puts in the miles. He never ever stops, and he's so fast as well. Um, but he's also quite an intelligent player. He thinks a good pass. He thinks a good game. Um, and you know, one of the questions is where where have you been for the last three years, mate? Well, he's been in preseason, and that's about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, so I guess I have an honest question. So I saw the other of the Chelsea players are posting on Instagram after the match, you know, that there's a lot of support for William, but I also heard there's a lot of support for Oscar. Um, can some, when you guys fill me in on the Oscar part is just because he's down there with William right now. No, I've got, I've got the, the inside on that. Basically Oscar has a, at the moment, a family illness. Um, I think um, quite a, a, a serious one. And so he's also been given some compassionate leave to go and see his family in Brazil. It's not linked to the Williams situation, but it's just unfortunate timing. Oh, okay. Well, that makes good sense. And I'm glad we brought you back on the pod, Dan Levine. <laughs> All right, um, Nick. So three, four, three, the lineup is back for a second game running. Um, starting to kind of see some, some specifics uh, with the formation. Um, even kind of player personnel, but without William uh, being there, Ivanovic was injured. Uh, JT just coming back off injury. Same with Zuma. Um, the lineup was pretty static for the most part, wasn't it? Yeah. So I mean, very very similar uh, to the previous match. I think the three four three is kind of the preferred 
uh, setup. So Cahill, uh, Louise, and Aspilicueta is your, your back three, Courtois and goal. Alonzo getting a uh, well-deserved start on the left. Victor Moses at that uh, previously mentioned right wing back. Conte and Matej in the middle. Uh, Hazard, Pedro, and Diego Costa uh, as kind of your, your front three, which you know, kind of gave them all a little bit more room to you know, interact and, and mingle a little bit. So very strong starting lineup against uh, the former champions. Anything, uh, I guess it surprised you, Dan Dormer, as far as when this came out. I know everyone is pretty much assuming John Terry was going to roll right back in, but uh, that wasn't the case today. Yeah, I don't know if there was anything surprising about it. I think the only thing was, uh, I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot of option you know, beyond Pedro or William. So the only thing you could have looked at is maybe, you know, does Moses push up further position? But beyond that, I thought it was a strong lineup and, yeah, definitely gave you know Lester a look at what they were missing with Conte. You know, really putting together a successful performance again. All right. Well, I guess Dan Levine, what about you from the starting lineup perspective? Uh, anything that maybe we missed at a first glance? Uh, no, I think that that pretty much covers it. I think a lot of the talk was certainly about uh, whether JT was going to be in there. Um, the difficulty, of course, is if if Chelsea are going to play a three at the back and and they are going to have that sort of mobile unit with wing backs. Where does John Terry fit into that? Um, and uh, that may be a bit of a, a narrative going forward as the season progresses, um, because he will, of course, be wanting to play. Um, but you know, aside from that, all, all pretty straightforward. The big arguments, you know, when JT was out was how this team couldn't keep a clean sheet. You know, obviously, when we did the formation switch against Hull and kept a clean sheet, and now we're two weeks on the trot with clean sheets, uh, but no John Terry. I wonder if maybe the formation is the long-term kind of solution to that rather than just saying, oh, if, well, if we have four of the back and JT, then we're good to go. Uh, so that I'm sure this will be kind of – Interesting to see how it all develops and goes forward. And it's not going to get any easier for him as Zuma regains full fitness as well. But <coughs> another interesting piece, um, let's go ahead and talk about the bench. So no Fabregas at all in this team. But then we have five academy graduates. I'm including JT, but Oleena, Shalaba, um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Solanke. Um, that's only four. Did I miss someone or am I just bad at counting? One, two, three, four, five. Solanke, Ruben Laptashik, Shalaba, Olayan, and JT. Perfect. They're my five. Um, Nick, so this had to have been like the bench of Abramovich's dreams. Well, right. I mean, if you have three, four senior players missing out um, due to various family situations, injuries, all that kind of stuff, this is what should happen. Uh, you're, you should definitely give your, uh, your bench a much-needed – uh, injection of youth and uh, you know three of these players got to log some minutes yesterday for their for their home debuts um, except for Ruben who has obviously played before at home but uh, you know it's, it's fantastic to see uh, Conte put them in a position to succeed and then also uh, give them an opportunity uh, to play when when kind of the game was tucked away so fantastic 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 and we'll get into shallow a little bit later um, Dan Levine, I guess from your, your perspective as well, uh, seeing these guys on the bench, but then also, is this pretty much a one-off because we did have a few of the senior guys missing? I think, I think it is. Um, but, but, um, Antonio Conte is quite clearly 
keen to bring in uh, some of the kids from the uh, from the, uh, the, the the U setup. He, he he talks about it quite regularly. Every time he brings one through, he makes a point of mentioning it in the press conference. Um, and he seems particularly keen, I think, on Chalabar. Um, and uh, I think for a lot of people who've seen him develop through the youth ranks, he is one of the ones that people are really desperate to see succeed. So that's great news. So you think if Shalaba succeeds, Chelsea are just going to start sending all their loan players to Italy? Because that seems to be the most successful thing at this point. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he, he got a bit of um, sort of top tier action there. Um, certainly Chelsea are looking very, very long and hard about how their loan situation works. Um, there's there's a, a, a concession there that hasn't quite properly worked in the past. So I think they're open to any suggestions, really. I know Lewis Baker's doing well, just scored a cracking free kick uh, in the Eredivisie, but it's still not been the proven recipe of sending people to Vitesse. So I, I'm interested to see how it, how it evolves. Um, what about Fabregas? Um, any specific news on that? Yeah, he, he had a minor injury, um, so you know, his omission is, is on that basis. And the same with uh, Ivanovic and uh, Mikel, I think. Um, so, I mean, you can read into it whatever you like, um, but I, it does seem that he doesn't quite fit within the structure that Conte sees at Chelsea. So it may be one to watch there, I think. There is the, uh, the news this morning, too, that he is going to be a father of a new boy, too. So uh, that's uh, at least one exciting thing going on for him. Yeah, he posted a nice little photo on social media. He is obviously excited about that. So I guess we can put the uh, the rumors to bed. He did at least have a knock, uh, and that's why um, he wasn't in the oh, lineup. Gosh. Yeah. I, Nick, so how badly did Leicester City miss Conte? Scale of one to terribly. Um, terribly. I mean, N'Golo Conte was incredible yesterday in – the you know if if Victor Moses has a motor you know what what does he have because he was flying all over the pitch he you know got into a little bit more of an advanced role during this match than we've seen in the past you know him and uh, Nemanja Matić were kind of switching off who was going to track back on on certain counterattacks and it looks like he is like the most like of all the players you can plug into a team it looks like he is like the most ready-made positional element that you could possibly have. Uh, he is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, some quick numbers to go through. He had 100 touches, 86 passes, 87% passing accuracy, five interceptions, four tackles, two chances created, should have had a goal. <laughs> and one goal missed. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it was – yeah, I mean, it was heartbreaking for him to miss that because, you know, his shooting to this point has left a lot to be desired. But, you know, I, I, what more do you need to say? I mean, the passing accuracy, I guess, could go up a little bit. But, I mean, he's just – he's ridiculous. He's fantastic, and, and he's someone who I, I love just watching every match. You know, Dan, Dan Dormer, my man over there, leaving Disney – how good does Conte look when you're on vacation versus sitting at home, barely awake like the rest of us? I think he looks fantastic in any setting. I don't even know. Like you could be in the worst moments of your life and watch the way that he played yesterday. Assured that he is going to be quite critical and a wonderfully accurate addition to what it is that you know Conte is looking to do with this side and. I think he's truly the, the, a perfect player in this uh, the 3-4-3 setup. 
Well, thankfully, uh, just so you know, Dan Levine, uh, our Twitter people that voted in our poll uh, also agreed that Conte was the man of the match. Um, but I believe Chelsea FC put out an official one, and it was pretty much split between uh, Hazard, um, Conte, Moses, and Costa. So I guess, like, overall yesterday, was he, like, the super standout for you as well, or was it kind of more of just, like, a complete team performance from your view in the press box? No, I, th- I think it was a very good team performance, but I would say yeah, Kante was, was, for me, the standout. I, I think often when... Um, you've obviously got uh, listening here you've got a connoisseur's audience if you like you know you've got people who are very engaged in it and um the um uh, when when chelsea put one out through the official website a lot of it is people who are maybe not quite as clued up hazard gets his own personal vote um and so that goes into it. i think hazard was actually absent from the game for a large part of the the first half but um looking at the breakdown there who's your man in the match 49 percent kante 27 percent moses i think that's precisely how i'd expect it to be well, you know, I think that it, besides Hazard taking his opportunity fantastically well off the back heel of the defender and off his forehead unknowingly, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, probably could have been a little more involved. Uh, I believe it was your tweet, Dan Levine, uh, saying that Conte spent about the first 15 minutes just yelling Eden over and over and over. Pretty much. He was about maybe... I suppose, 10 yards in front of me. And, and this just went on and on and on. And it was quite laughable for a bit because, because it seemed like Hazard was paying no attention whatsoever to him. But, uh, you know, them's the breaks as a manager. All right. It's going to be, going well, to be very interesting to see if uh, lozenges are the uh, gift of choice for uh, Conte this season. Well, well, um, Conte did, did, was asked about this afterwards, and uh, he said, you know, if I play two games a week, sometimes, unfortunately for you journalists, I lose my voice. He goes, but I'd rather, I'd rather have no voice and be in the Champions League. That's a fair trade. Yeah. I'd, I'd take it, for sure. Well, you know, guys, speaking of Modric, because I heard you talking about him, um, you know, in the background, he's starting to settle into the 3-4-3 formation. Um, so is this just kind of a thing of him understanding his role better now that we've done this for a couple of weeks? Um, or is this just uh, the, the formational change from the 4-2-3-1 to the 3-4-3 just really what's benefiting him? I mean, I guess... To me, there's no doubting his quality. It was just a matter of him really understanding what he needed to be to do to be successful in this system. Um, so I guess you know, Dan Dormer, what do you think of uh, Mr. Matic? Uh, I think it's a it's a partnership issue. And I think initially, you know, it seemed like Conte and Matic were both trying to do the exact same thing on the pitch, which is you know uh, admirable. But you know, Conte does have a little bit of a better motor in him than Matic does. You know, Conte is the the cheetah going across the, the prairie and uh, manages the, you know, draft kind of just, you know, lumbering through the, you know, the Serengeti or what, what have you. So ultimately, you know, I think Maddich has kind of settled down and figured out how to work with Conte versus work in opposition of him. And I think that's starting to yield some pretty awesome results. I, can okay. I jump in on that one though? Cause I think for the most part, the first half and maybe Dan Levine can, can check me here, but I thought for the most part, uh, Nemanja Matic was kind of lost in the first half of this game. Um, it was only the second half where he and, and, and Golo Conte started to, like, officially kind of switch, you know, roles. And, and, you know, if one went forward, the other one would kind of take a little bit of a back seat and, and go on from that point. But, uh, you know, the first half, it was kind of a mess. And, you know, they were 
luckily Leicester City had nothing in attack to really you know threaten uh, Chelsea. But uh, it was you know I think this is something that we're going to have to watch going forward because it's not a hundred percent you know solved. I, I don't think. I think that's that's a very valid point, and I think um, that's something that we need to be aware of with Manchester United coming down next weekend. Um, I think um, we. Chelsea were given a bit of an easy ride in that first half. The one thing I will say, though, about Matic is that something very different to him this season that wasn't there last season, he looks like he wants to be there, um, which is a real positive. He's not quite firing on all cylinders yet and getting it right, but he actually looks like he's committed. You know, especially with him, with all the rumours that he's going to be leaving this summer, I think that uh, maybe he has finally just... Um, you know, got on board with the Conte train and, and he's, he's bought in, but um, man, that, that's, that's really helpful because, you know, Monich, obviously we all have been upset because he's been on a, on a rough ride. Obviously no one was really stand out last year, but he had such a great start to his second coming at Chelsea uh, and then it's all gone away. So um, I'm, I'm personally just really excited to see him kind of have, like you said, Dan Levine, a little more passion and excitement for showing up uh, for Chelsea. Um, Nisar Kinsella, um, another friend that we met while he was in Minneapolis, writes for Goal UK, said uh, that Modic now has more assists this season than he did the entire last season. To be fair, Nick, we're only going from two to three, but hey, it's an improvement. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and we're we're eight games in, so there's some obvious improvement there. Um, and I think that you know when. When you look at him, he, he's such he's such kind of an awkward athlete. You know, he's so big and long. And I think Dan Dormer's giraffe uh, analogy was was very you know spot on there. He's just you know giraffes can get moving, but it takes him a little while. Whereas Ingolo Conte can definitely just go from zero to sixty uh, much more quickly. And uh, you know, he's he's someone that it just you know he's able to shove people off the ball very easily. It doesn't look like he's moving very fast, even though he's covering ground. He's just someone I think we need to give a little bit more time to in this formation, but certainly has the body uh, and the athleticism in kind of a weird way to make it work. Well, and he had that great awareness for you know, Eden's goal to hold up play just a little bit and kind of get into that slow, lumbering march forward and really pick the perfect time to allow the defenders to draw into him and then release Eden forward, which was, you know, ended up working out very well. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and keep on talking about the, uh, the three, four, three formation, I guess. Um, this is a huge change for Chelsea. Uh, it's been talked about so much though, because obviously Conte used it at Juventus and with Italy, you know, three at the back is kind of his schema that he likes. Um, but I think the two standouts that we weren't really sure what we're going to get from this season, especially in a, I guess, technically defensive role, are Marcos Alonso and Victor Moses. Um, obviously, I think that, again, we've only played Hull in Leicester two weeks, but I think that they've adapted really, really well. Um, so let's go ahead. We can talk about that. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out is I'm not so sure about Aspilicueta's long-term future as a center back, but it's working for now, obviously. And I'm interested to see kind of how that goes. Maybe if he replaces Alonso in the long term when Zuma comes back. So I'm just throwing a couple things out there for us to discuss. Um, you know, Nick, go ahead, take your stab. Three, four, three. What do you think so far? Uh, we'll talk about Moses in a bit because he he is well deserving of his own section, but. 
Alonzo has been very impressive to me um, and, and, you know, largely in an attacking sense, but uh, I think he also is, is big and strong and is able to defend uh, when he wants to on, uh, on set pieces. You know, I think there's a lot of work to do for that. Um, but, you know, I think you make a really interesting point about Dave. Um, I'm, I'm such a fan of Dave uh, that, you know, to me, anything, you know, that guy does is, is good, but I actually think he does have a future in a back three. He's so fast and he's a lot stronger than I think people give him credit for, even though he's not built like Zuma or JT. Um, I, and he's just, I think more tactically aware than a lot of um, right or left backs um, kind of of his ilk. So uh, I think he, he might, try and lock down one of those places. But, you know, again, with Zuma and JT and that whole dynamic coming through, the weird, the weird part about it all is, you know, when we're playing four at the back, we don't nearly have enough cover. When we're playing three at the back, it feels as if we have a big selection problem. So it's, a, it's, it's really weird and goofy. But um, Dan Levine, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it, it does change the dynamic an awful lot. I think um, three four three is an odd one because in in England in the Premier League, I think we're quite guarded and we're quite protected against that as a formation. We like very very straight organised football. Um, you know, we we like our our fullbacks to be tough tackling and we like our wingers to be bombing down and putting in a cross from the corner flag. And so when people in the past have tried things like three four three with with fluid wing backs and three at the back. Um, for example, uh, Louis van Gaal, when he did it at um, Manchester United, it was not only did it not work because he did it wrong, but people were very, very resistant to it indeed. Conte, however, seems to have this understanding and by using Alonso and Moses, he's got two really, really good pawns in there. And it works together so, so well with, uh, with uh, Kante in the middle. Um, the, the question is, of course, can it work against the bigger sides? And that's what we're, we're yet to properly see. But the point that was made earlier about Aspi and his long-term future is it's very, very apt because he does feel an awful lot in this formation, like the guy he's left over after a chair's been taken away in a game of musical chairs. There's just nowhere for him to sit. And that, that is worrying because he's a very popular player at Chelsea. You know, jumping back in before I kick it over to Dan Dormer, you know, I think that SP Lequeta could potentially, yeah, well, not potentially, he definitely could uh, give Marcus Alonso a run on the on the left. Obviously, Victor Moses has had some hamstrings, some little injury issues. So, you know, maybe it becomes something where, you know, just by not having a decision to make, uh, he'll be able to get some time in in that attacking wingback position. You know, but the other thing is, is that Victor Moses probably surprised Conte about how difficult of a decision this is going to be at the end of it because no one's really seen him play a full season. It's been quite a while. Uh, and so that's, um, you know, as managers always say, they love having those hard decisions to make. So, Dan Dormer, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I think it's a – if he continues playing like he plays right now, I don't think it's a hard decision. I think he was – always been dubbed as the preseason Messi, as someone who shows up on the U.S. or Chinese or Australian tour and able to piece it together on alone due to things such as injury or lack of playtime. And now we're getting a chance to really evaluate Moses, you know, from a, you know, a full 90, which I think we all felt, you know, and most of the, the fans felt pretty, pretty much in line with the fact that he was, if Angola Conte wasn't there, 
that he would have been the man in the match. So, you know, but I think Moses, in addition, any player will keep their space on the team as long as their performance and their dedication to the plan is in line with what, you know, Conte's expectations are. Yeah. Alonzo earning time, I think you see that with Moses getting in there. I think you see that with over some of the youth players. I, I think that ultimately it's all about you know, what you're going to do to help the team win, not you as an individual in the name of the back of the shirt. And I think that you know any player is subject to, to not starting um, from capital leader legend all the way down. Yeah, I, I just want to jump in because I think uh, Dan, Lame- Dan Levine made a really good point in that the three four three is much more of a, an amoeba where you have a lot of different players who can play multiple roles on the team uh, who are interchanging and, you know, in different, just generally different spots on the pitch than, than maybe your standard four four two or four three three you know, would kind of lend. So, uh, you know, I think Victor Moses can play both the right wing back and, you know, kind of that more attacking, uh, you know, position on the right, whatever they want to call that as part of the attacking three. You know, Marcus Alonso can both play left back and, you know, kind of the more, you know, the, the wing back area that he's playing. You know, Nemanja Matic can, can play up if he needs to. You know, Eden Hazard can rotate a lot more. William can, can jump inside. And there's just a lot of flexibility. Dave can obviously play the wing back as well. Uh, and I think that's just a fantastic spot to be in. Uh, you know, the, the big question, which will be looming large, with the Liverpool and Arsenal games and, you know, kind of previously uh, conceded would be, can, can this work against teams with higher quality talent? Because I look at these past two matches as fantastic indications, but not, you know, they're, they're obviously Leicester and, and Hull are not going to win the league this year. So I think we need to prove it against United, prove it against City, prove it against, you know, Liverpool and we see them again and, and see how that kind of works and maybe confuses uh, you know, a more, a more standard formation. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think we're going to get that test coming up here pretty soon, gentlemen. So uh, just real quick, one word answer. Moses makes you feel Dan Dormer. Oh, Moses makes me feel giddy. Uh, you know, it's, 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 just, it's fantastic to watch. Uh, Nick. Um. He, he makes me feel happy. I also think that he's very opportunistic. He's taken an opportunity that might not have been tailor-made for him and, and made it his own. And when you, when you put that out there as, you know, he's kind of locked it down and giving uh, Antonio Conte a decision to make, I think that is the, the best way to put it right now. He is, he is just taking control. My We're word is... Indicated. <laughs> because uh, he's he's been on the train for a while, and uh, I think he's getting uh, getting to eat the eat the cake as well as enjoy it. Oh, dude's eating the cake because my word is passion, and that guy just loves to play. You can tell. Uh, he's like literally whatever you need me to do, Antonio. I'm gonna do it, and I want to play. And I think he's done a fantastic job of doing that. Uh, Dan Levine. Um, I think I might say proud, actually. Because, you know, he, he came to Chelsea, it was all going to happen and it never really did. He's been wandering around for years, going places where he hasn't had football. And when he scored that goal against Leicester, he went up to the crowd and he kissed the badge. And I think, you know, that, that is a really, really good sign. 
uh, and, and I'm quite proud of him for that. Oh, I love it. You have that fatherly pride that the rest of us are sharing. Um, all right. True or false? Conte runs the team and doesn't take orders from anyone, maybe like Diego Costa. Nick. Uh, true. Uh, there's, I, I think yesterday was actually a really big moment uh, for Antonio Conte, and it's only because it worked out. You know, I mean, it's, he, made, he made three big substitutions, none of which were to get Diego Costa out of the match. Um, and then Diego Costa did also – he didn't get a yellow card, which, you know, is obviously very positive. So he's able to play against Manchester United. Um, but when Diego and him were having an exchange, uh, you know, I think every commentator, you know, Dan Levine from here to Mars could see that uh, Antonio Conte was having none of Diego Costa's uh, BS, as, as it were. And, uh, you know, in a, in a battle of passionate people, I mean, those two are among the most passionate people you can – uh, you can deal with, but I think he showed that he was the boss. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I think what we saw yesterday in that exchange was a little bit of house training going on in public almost. Um, he, he he was clearly sending a message there, who's in charge. Uh, and afterwards, um, Conte talked an awful lot about how he wanted to utilise Costa's passion, how it is important to the team, um, but also about how you know, he, he needs him on the pitch. And, and that is obviously a message to, to a man who spent an awful lot of time not on the pitch because of his own issues and you know, his own behaviour. So, obviously, I, I'd answer this. Totally he does, yeah. Conte runs the team. So, my kind of confusion about this, because I believe, Dan, you wrote that this went on almost like an awkwardly long amount of time. It wasn't just so like, yeah, hey, Gaffer, quick sub. No? Okay, cool. It just continued. <laughs> um so for me, like, it almost seems like, wasn't this talked about? Like everyone else was talking about, what do we do with Diego Costa? Do we even play him? One more yellow card, he's going to miss United. You just assume, I guess I assume maybe incorrectly, that Antonio and Diego would have been like, hey, here's our game plan. We're going to start you. Don't get a yellow. If I get a chance to sub you because we're up, I'll do it. It seemed like they just weren't on the same page about what the plan was. I wonder if there's a little bit of a, mis- a lack of belief in uh, Costa that he can go through a game without getting a yellow. He, he believes he's targeted by referees. He believes he's targeted by opposition players. And I think this is Conte trying to instill a bit of that belief in him, saying, yeah, he wasn't even looking at him. You know, Costa was wave, waving his fingers in a circle, saying, take me off. He was shrugging, hands on hips. He was looking surly. You know, the, the full, you know, te- you know uh, teenager tantrum type thing. But, but Conte was just looking the other way get on with it, you know, and he's saying, have the belief, you can do this, and he did. Ah, it was great to see. Well, and, and Costa looks a little less intimidating without the beard, so if he wanted to pull that off, he should have kept it. <laughs> Hashtag keep the beard, as <laughs> I, would, I would like to say. Okay. Um, I guess, you know, here's a good chance for sub-question. Uh, thank you to Nick for bringing this, uh, you know, up. But uh, Dan Levine, what are your impressions of Mr. Antonio Conte thus far? Um, I like him actually. He he seems to be a very uh, interesting, engaging fella. Uh, he, he talks well. He's learning English very very well. Um, he smiles a lot, and that's great. You know, he's after after Mourinho, who you know would only smile through gritted teeth for most of the last year. Um, 
it's it's nice to see that he brings a bit of warmth to the room and you know he likes to answer questions uh okay there are some he can't answer about individuals and private relationships but if you ask him something he'll make the eye, eye contact he'll look at you and he'll give you a fairly straight answer and, and i think all of that is a bit quite refreshing actually you know dan just to kind of follow up you know we were um lucky enough to attend one of his preseason press conferences and I took away something that, you know, is, is kind of a cool thing and that he's very thoughtful. Like, I feel like he puts, you know, he, he will even, you know, take pauses before he answers a question to kind of think through how he wants to word something because it's very important to him that he doesn't get kind of twisted through, um, you know, a quote. But do you, do you get that sense that he's very, you know, he's very cerebral or very thoughtful about what he's actually saying? Yeah, I think so. I think some of that also is that you have to remember he's he's just been manager of Italy. Yeah. And you think the British press is is on people's cases. If you're a football manager of the national side in Italy, you've got basically a whole newspaper dedicated to your words and actions every single day. Um, so it's a very difficult thing and you do have to be very careful. So that's part of it. But there is clearly quite a lot of going on in that grey matter between his ears. He's, he's obviously a very intelligent guy. And, and that's also very, very good to have. Dan Dorn, anything else you kind of want to ask Dan Levine about, about Conte and kind of how he's done covering him so far? Oh, I mean, I think, you know, I appreciate it as the, you know, the, the reports asking him tactical questions because it seems like, uh, you know, I'd almost liken it to, you know, Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. You know, when you ask, you know, a general question about, you know, player availability or, you know, Kind of something stupid, you know. You get a quick response, and you know maybe a you know, kind of a, a smirk, and then it's over. But if you ask a tactical question or something that's you know kind of truly intimate to the the sport, you know you're going to end up with a paragraph or two of really nice material to work off of. And you know, I think that that's uh, you know, almost very refreshing versus what we've uh, what we've had come to know uh, from a managerial perspective. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's is positive that the, the circus that follows Mourinho everywhere and is currently following to following him to Manchester um, has has been taken away from the, the press conference situation at Chelsea, and you know it's 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 allowed the focus to be more on the football, which is where it's got to be at the end of the day. Well, speaking of the football, Chelsea uh, as of you know Sunday midday in America are in fifth place with 16 points, tied with Liverpool, who are in fourth, um, but they play Monday night. They play Manchester United, I'm sure, as all of you know. Uh, so depending on how that game goes, Chelsea could, uh, you know, well, we're in a good position, I think, it, 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 with the way everything's gone. Um, any other thoughts, I guess, I just want to throw it open to you guys here uh, before we wrap up this match review, uh, starting with you, Dan Dormer? I, I think uh, Chalabala, great. I think the assist is something that I could watch again and again, and thankfully to uh, to those people who put it in gift format are fine. It's like, I can do that until my eyes get numb and watered down need drops. So, uh, you know, thank, thank you for eye drop makers. Thank you for vine makers. And thank you, Chalabala, for the assist. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that. It's, it's fantastic to see him get his home debut. Uh, I know it was only for you know, 10 plus minutes or, you know, 20 minutes or something like that. But uh, the assist uh, was something that was called live as audacious. And I think it just shows that he has more elements to his game than just a defensive midfielder. He, he's 
you know, able to get forward, able to attack, and I think could very well push for a starting spot at the end of the year, uh, Dan Levine. Yeah, well, hope, I really, really hope so. It'd be great to see it, having having followed him through from youth team level and, and, and seen the, the, the incredible amount of potential he's got there. It'd be lovely to, to see that happen. Really, really would. Um, I think if I was to add anything as just sort of general context for the game, it'd be the bigger picture. I think... Um, Chelsea fans, I think a lot of football fans these days, but um, particularly it seems at Chelsea, are very, very quick to, to judge the direction of the club entirely based on the last 90 minutes. We lose a game, it's all terrible. The manager's going to get fired. We win a game, it's brilliant. We're going to win the league. I think what we're seeing here is a team that's evolving into the shape the new manager wants it to do. It's going to take time and we're not there yet, but it's not all bad. It's not all good. I think we can definitely start to see Antonio Conte's personality uh, starting to show through the team. And as far as I'm concerned, that is a good direction to be going. So with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and take a really quick break. Go ahead and give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, World Soccer Shop. We'll be right back. Hey there, Chelsea fans. It's Brandon here. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, World Soccer Shop. They supported us while we did our live podcast in Minneapolis by giving us a huge box of Chelsea gear for us to give out to you all, our listeners. So if you want to keep getting free gear from us, make sure to tweet at them, letting them know you listen to our show to see exactly what official Chelsea gear they've got and that you can get for free. Head over to www.worldsoccershop.com to see it all. All right, Chelsea fans, let's go ahead and talk about the crazy betting patterns that happened this week that said Antonio Conte would be the next manager sacked in the Premier League. As crazy as it was, uh, we thought, you know, we'd bring in a trusted, reliable source to uh, help us out with this. So, Dan Levine, uh, what do you have for us on this? Okay, I, I think <clears throat> this is another example of social media going mad. I, I think uh, what, what appears to have happened is that somebody has got it into their head that Conte is going to get the bullet. Um, they've had a little flutter on it. Uh, they've told some other people and they've had a flutter. Then you've got a bookies, a, a, a betting company, that's decided to try and make some, some uh, money out of this, effectively. They've told people, look, there's a run on betting on this and everyone else has piled on and, and the snowball goes, goes down the hill was never going to happen. Complete nonsense. And this is the problem at the moment when you've got companies controlling the news in this way. It, you come up with nonsense like this. Well, I also, I was going to say, I heard that. <laughs> true. Um, I also heard that there was also, because of it, a big bet from like Asia they came in and that's what really got the bookies going crazy. Uh, but remember like they have a business to run. They're not here to predict the future or tell you the truth. They're just here to take money on different things that are happening. And if obviously betting pattern starts to pick up, you know, they're going to slash odds uh, or even stop betting. So um, yeah, again, it was interesting. I'm sure it's pretty interesting for Antonio Conte to walk into his pre-match presser saying, do you still have a job, sir? <laughs> What's next, Nick? I mean, what, what else happened last week that maybe is exciting and cool for Chelsea fans? Uh, big, big news um, would be that Chelsea finally announced their, their new uh, sponsorship deal with Nike. Uh, so after exiting their Adidas green, agreement six years early, I think, uh, you know, the, the odds were that Nike had come in with some crazy cash and, and really wanted to to add a marquee name to their roster and they did. And, and so did Chelsea. And 
you know, Dan Levine, I, I guess it's rumored to be about 60 million pounds plus a year. Uh, and, and that's just fantastic news for the transfer market, huh? Yeah, it is. Uh, and all of this money should be going because of the way f- financial fair play works. It should more or less all be going into into team selection and, and purchases. Um, it's it's the biggest kept, you know, the worst kept secret in the world, to be honest. And we've known about this for some time. As soon as the uh, Adidas deal had been uh, uh, sort of shelved, uh, we knew that there was only one company that could possibly move in and it was Nike. Uh, I, I understand over 15 years, there, there is a mechanism for, for bonuses for that figure to go up potentially. So 15 mil, 60 million a season now may not be that amount in 15 years' time. Um, but it's a, a really positive thing, as you say. And with the other sponsors, Carabao on the uh, training tops and with uh, Yokohama, the Thai people, on the, on the first team shirt, that's £110 million a year coming in from the shirt on the chest. It's putting us uh, overall as I think the the third hit uh, in terms of sponsorships uh, in, in the world, which is a pretty fantastic place to be. And, uh, and credit to you know the the board, to Perslo, to um, you know getting it right within that element of it because you know for the financial play, fair play element, we, we have to have a kids yeah, that is uh, consummate with the quality of player that we want to bring in. On a personal level, I'm pumped because I'm a Nike addict. Uh, so this just fits in with my personal lifestyle. I appreciate Chelsea taking that into account as they look at vendors. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> um, what about this one? So I, I sent the you guys an article late last night as I was you know doing prep for the pod that uh, the rumor mill is cranking with Walter Sabatini, AS Roma's former technical director, being linked to Chelsea. Uh, for our sporting director role, which I believe we already have one of those, don't we, Dan Dormer? Uh, well, we do. We have uh, Evan Olive, who's the you know, technical director of football at Chelsea. And you know, I think it would present a little bit of a challenge, uh, unless, you know, with uh, everything that you know, Chelsea's into from a business perspective, Evan is ready for uh, promotion. <laughs> I don't necessarily see a, a downgrade in title or position for a trusted advisor for Abramovich uh, for support within the, the club. It, it seems very odd. I, mean, I think it's you know, also another scenario of uh, someone working in Italy who happens to also work in the same places or in the same circles that Antonio Conte has worked. And because of that, uh, you know, makes for a very easy uh, connection, uh, especially for someone like Anallo, who's been good in the past uh, for you know where the the blame should fall for uh, for decisions that he may or may not have been the, the sole decision maker in. Uh, Dean uh, Levine, has this kind of hit your newswire? Anything that you're aware of? Um, it's it's a difficult one because I think at Chelsea, the role of technical director is very much a part of the permanent civil service, if you like, of, of governing Chelsea. Um, whereas the job of manager is almost like a, a political governmental appointee that comes and goes every, every term of office. Um, Michael Emanalo is obviously very, very trusted and valued by Roman Abramovich. And it would be very, very strange and not in keeping with the way Chelsea has worked in recent seasons for a man so close to the manager to be in that role. Um, I think a lot of people 
maybe might be keen to see it. A lot of fans who maybe don't understand or, or don't value what Emanalo brings to the to the team. But I, I, I think it's pretty unlikely to happen in the way it's been described. All right. Well, glad we've got you, the expert, uh, on board with us. But you know, we just want to kind of touch on some some of the bigger ones uh, that we'd kind of seen come across this week. So, uh, moving right on to some me- social media questions. Uh, Stephen Clark asked if we think youthfulness on the subs we saw today were a result of some players missing. Uh, yeah, we covered that. Uh, Dan Levine confirmed that uh, they probably won't be seeing uh, all of those guys every single week uh, when you get Oscar Ivanovich, Fabregas, William. Uh, back on the team bench, uh, Daniel Cheshire asked, "Who do you think? Why do you think Conte doesn't take Cost off for Batshuayi when the team is up three uh, nothing?" Again, you know, covered that. I think that uh, I really like your perspective, Dan Levine, about uh, giving him the confidence that you know he can actually finish a game uh, and and not pick up a yellow. Really quick though, on the Batshuayi part, Dan Levine, do you do you see a an issue there? Obviously. You know, Batshuayi hasn't really featured in the last few weeks, and there's been plenty of opportunity to. Do you think that there's just a, a tactical adjustment being made there where we need to make sure all the, the starters are really confident in, the, in their roles before making you know, those kind of drastic substitutions? Or what do you think the deal is with Batshuayi? I think there's a lot of that going on. I think um, Conte is trying to get his first 11 playing as, as an 11, as a team, and we've, we've not seen that up until quite recently. Um, once that's established, I think we might see a little bit more from them. Uh, people have been a bit frustrated. Some of the substitutions have been very, very late. They haven't maybe addressed the things people wanted. But I think as the season goes on, that'll start coming into it. All right, last one up. Is Conte taming the beast? Uh, obviously talking about uh, Conte and Diego Costa, um, which again, thank you, Sarab, uh, for posting that. Uh, definitely did touch on that. Um, Next one we got was kind of an interesting one uh, from Ryan on Twitter at it's Ryan X seven. Uh, we actually sent us um, a screenshot of your tweet, Dan Levine, um, kind of talking about uh, a lot of people abusing Gary Cahill on Twitter. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, it was just kind of an interesting situation. Ryan essentially thought that, um, your tweet directed towards these people being not real Chelsea supporters. Um, and he was like, well, I don't live in England. I don't get to go to the games. Does that make me a, not a real supporter? Uh, but I guess we just going to kind of post it out there and just talk about like the ridiculousness that we do see on Twitter and kind of what your view of like being a real Chelsea fan is. Yeah. I think there were, there were two aspects to this that were sort of thrown together in, in one discussion. First of all, the, the abuse that Gary Cahill had a couple of weeks ago and he's still getting, um, I've got to say, I've seen Twitter accounts with not just his name, but a number of Chelsea players' names with F off in the, in the name of the uh, account beforehand. Um, there have been people sending um, Gary Cahill death threats via Twitter. Um, and, you know, there have been people saying that they hope he breaks his legs. Now, I think everyone will agree these people are not Chelsea supporters in any understanding of the name. They are people we don't want around the club. And in my experience, they are all people hiding behind some sort of uh, uh, fake uh, face uh, uh, and normally an awful long, long way away from Stamford Bridge. Um, if anybody can direct me to some similar death threats or, or, or um, threats of violence and they're in the UK, then, then let me know and, and the Metropolitan Police will get a copy. The other thing that, that seems to have been quite contentious and maybe a bit misunderstood by someone is, is uh, 
the, the, the line in there about um, uh, being a Chelsea supporter. And a lot of people seem to have um, misunderstood, I think. I think there's, there's a lot of misrepresentation also, also about this. Um, a supporter is somebody who goes to a football match and supports the team. If you don't go to the football match and support the team, it doesn't necessarily make you any less a fan. Some of the most committed fans I've ever met have never been anywhere near Stamford Bridge. They get up at three o'clock in the morning on the other side of the world to watch the team and cheer on that team. And, and the passion is, is incredible. But a supporter, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, is somebody who goes to the game and supports the team. And that is the only difference there. So, uh, you know, I, I want to take that on really quick, Dan, because I think that there is, you know, it's it's really easy to hurt people's feelings on Twitter. <laughs> and, you know, I think why context is so important in, in our society today is because, you know, you can't just say something that's a boilerplate statement anymore. It has to be, you know, fluffed up and added, you know, a bunch of different contextual pieces before everyone can kind of understand it. And so... Uh, Ryan Suberg is a guy who, you know, we, we've heard a lot from on our Twitter account. He's been uh, very active in our community and someone who I think is generally pretty reasonable. I think maybe just had taken, uh, you know, the, the supporter uh, statement that you just made out of context a little bit, because I mean, we're the same way, you know, we, we live in America. And so, you know, yesterday, you know, uh, we got up at, at six, seven AM to watch the team, you know, on a day where we'd normally probably not do that. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of different pieces here. I, I think you know of of all the journalists that we you know interact with on a regular basis, you know you you're um, you know among the most reasonable people we've ever talked to. So I I, I just want to I wanted to put this out as a as a topic to speak of because you know the way the way that anyone can take something it might be a little different than what you Dan Levine meant to kind of con, uh, convey. I think, uh, you know, jumping in on this, it is interesting too. I, in America, I consider fan and supporter synonymous. So that's really good to know because I'll be able to kind of read Twitter differently. But there's no doubt that uh, just because someone puts that they are a supporter of Chelsea in their bio or that they, you know, say that they like the team one week, um, it's Twitter. People change their mind. People say things that they wouldn't normally say. And they're not necessarily like what we want to you know, support as fans who, you know, we follow it week in, week out. And so just another thing, uh, another thought that came out there. But yeah, Ryan, um, you know, spot on it, 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 catching it and trying to make sense of it. We just thought we'd bring it up because uh, it's relevant and it makes a lot of sense. And obviously, um, you know, no harm meant towards you, someone who gets up and watches it every day or, or us that can't go to the match. It's the, the extreme few, the 1% that uh, we don't want to associate ourselves with. So thank you to all of you around the world. We have such a global audience uh, that does get up and watch Chelsea uh, at all hours of the day, and you guys are awesome. Don't let the crazy ones ruin it. Right, Dan Levine? Agree 100%. Awesome. Um, okay, cool. Well, you know, with that being said, uh, I think we should go ahead – and jump into this Manchester United preview. That's right. That means the return of Jose. Premier League action, Stanford Bridge. What type of welcome do you expect him to get Dan Levine? 
It's going to be interesting. It's not going to be straightforward, I don't think. There are plenty of people who will be very, very pleased to see him come back. There are people who will chant his name. There are people who still think he's a demigod. And there are also plenty of people who were really, really fed up with him by the time he left, uh, were really um, upset with the sort of scorched earth Chelsea that he left after he went, and are absolutely livid that he's gone to Manchester United. So I think there'll be a lot of both. Um, and it has the potential, particularly once the game starts, that everyone gets behind Chelsea, hopefully, and therefore against Mourinho, for some fairly pointed um, stuff to go in his direction. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity, potentially, for you know, those who maybe don't have the, the fondest memory or whose opinions have soured to reflect upon <laughs> maybe the, the quotes regarding uh, atmosphere and uh, noise at Sanford Bridge to uh, potentially offer up a uh, rather raucous atmosphere. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, you know, but we also live in a society where you can't be both a fan of Jose Mourinho and a fan of Chelsea now. Like it's, that's just the oh, no, yeah, you have to be one or the other, right? Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's so funny because I, I think Dan Levine is spot on. There will be a group of people, you know, it could be as much as half who are just anti everything that Jose Mourinho has ever done and, and can't reflect fondly upon, uh, you know, some of the great, the good times and the great times that we've had uh, with that manager. And then yeah, there will be some other fans who only reflect on that and can't remember kind of, what what else has happened uh, in its wake? So, you know, let's let's not be reasonable people and be able to to do both at the same time. You know, uh, it's it's like uh, actively scorning someone that you you know, like a former partner. You know, that it's like I'm I'm just not going to be allowing them to have any happiness uh, if I cannot be happy or, or something to that extent. And, you know, I think it's uh, no cool heads will potentially prevail, but uh, you know, we can definitely try to uh, preach our you know, level-headedness as much as possible. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I had to return a Jaguar that I bought. I had to return a Brightwing <laughs> watch. I canceled my BT subscription. And the problem is Antonio Conte doesn't have these sponsorship deals, so I don't know what to like in life. <laughs> Can I just remind people of something that Jose Mourinho himself said not so long ago? Uh, this is after... <laughs> yeah, he said, this is, he said, Frank Lampard is a Man City player, and he was at the time. When he decided to go to a direct competitor, then love stories are over. Mm, that's very interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, think the, I, I think the love affair has dwindled, and I, and I, I love Jose personally, and I, there's nothing anyone can say you know, to me that you know, I will never... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him in a positive light in my mind. So that's just kind of how I am. But I know a lot of people who, you know, through Jose's own actions and words, do not enjoy him anymore. And and I can understand that as well. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, I think we just let's be level-headed about it. You know, he he is going to create in the press this week his own storyline that he will fulfill. You know, it, it's almost Donald Trumpian in the fact that the best thing for Jose to talk about is Jose. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's, it's true. It's, it's what he's done his entire career. It's just, you know, it, it, at some point it, that act gets a little old. So um, he'll, he'll find a way to make it about him. And hopefully Antonio Conte just keeps his head down and focuses on the match and doesn't get involved in some of the, the back and forth that I think Jose wants to do. 
No, I don't think we'll have to worry about that from uh, Antonio Conte. What I do think is going to be um, a big influencer in how this week goes for both Jose and in return Chelsea is if is how this match goes against Liverpool. Obviously, we're recording on Sunday, so we have no idea how this Liverpool-United game is going to go. But if United win, he's just going to be strolling in with so much confidence. Uh, but if Liverpool continue you know, their really good form, United could be under a lot of pressure entering Stamford Bridge. And I think that the tone will be very different as far as the questions people are asking uh, Jose about what he thinks of his return to Stamford Bridge. Um, I don't know. Interesting. You know, like that's why we do this. I think that, you know, thankfully since United aren't top of the table and Chelsea are in 10th place, I think that that helps, you know, like we both had our struggles, but the thing, you know, we'd said at the beginning of the season is we don't want that attention. And thankfully we're only going to get it probably a couple times this season. And one of those being anytime Jose is back around the Chelsea team. And that makes sense. So um, with that kind of going out there, uh, any other things that uh, we need to kind of pay attention to or you guys have uh, thoughts going into this match, Dan Dormer? Uh, you know, I think the concern on pace, have a very pacey front, uh, Rashford, uh, you know, with uh, you know, Ibrahimovic up front. You know, so I'll be very interested to see, you know, from the 3-4-3 perspective, how that plays against uh, Mourinho's lineup against us. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how our back line, or, you know, back three to five, however they line up, can kind of contain, uh, you know, an interesting Manchester United team who has all the talent in the world. I also think the N'Golo Conte v. Paul Pogba matchup is going to be very interesting as well. And, you know, I, I, I don't envy the position that Paul Pogba's in, you know, after you're the, the world record transfer at your position, uh, you know, everyone will just expect you to have a perfect 10 match every time you go out there. So I don't, I don't think that's necessarily fair to him, but he certainly hasn't lived up to some of the expectations for Manchester United fans. So, uh, whereas I think N'Golo Conte has done that and more for Chelsea fans. And so uh, that'll be a very interesting matchup, Dan Levine, to, uh, to watch. Yeah, it'd be fascinating. Um, it's, it's a game that's going to be, largely won and lost in midfield isn't it um but i think also um off the pitch is going to be such a major factor starting from about 20 minutes after full time in the uh, liverpool and man united game Mourinho is going to start trying to set the agenda for this game um and we need to not be drawn into that we need to be resolutely um above that and i, I think going into that i think i'm very very pleased and very grateful that we've got a man like uh, Antonio Conte who's able to do that and not be drawn into those things. I'd be very, very worried, for example, if we had a, an Arsene Wenger who is so easily rattled by these mind games. That doesn't appear to be the case with the current Chelsea manager. I like it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. It has been fantastic. Time flies when Dan Levine is on the pod. So real quick, a couple podcast uh, statistic updates for you guys, our listeners. I would like to keep you involved because you are the best. So uh, real quick, just so you guys know, we're already at 57,000 downloads this season. Uh, we're averaging over 3,000 per show. And just to give you some perspective, we had – 
um, you know, under just under 150,000 downloads last year, the entire season. We're eight matches in. We're already past a third of the way of that. So we're looking to, you know, double, triple this past season's numbers. Uh, so a massive thank you because, again, we are just growing and growing, and it's because of the support we see f- from all of you. So we're going to keep trying to integrate you into the show as much as we can. Keep your questions coming. Let us know what you want to hear. Dan, what about you? Uh, I think I'd love to you know, thank everyone who's uh, had a chance to give us a proper review on iTunes. At uh, you know, almost uh, you know, 90 worldwide, if we kind of take into account the U.S. iTunes store, uh, Canada, U.K., Australia, yeah, India, they're there. I just can't see them. Because um, I guess you have to log into the store differently. But uh, it's really... Uh, not just even just, you know, kind of five stars, but some awesome comments too. And uh, those are great ways for us to connect. Nick, go ahead and wrap us up. What do you got for him? Yeah, I think the uh, the coolest part of this whole thing, and, and the numbers are staggering. I think, you know, we, we were talking before the show that this has scaled much more quickly than, than any of us anticipated. Um, and it's it's been crazy to keep up with. I mean, if you look at, even our, our Facebook group, I think we've added like 500 people in the last week. It was just ridiculous. It's like kind of head spinning to, to see all the support. But I think the coolest part of this whole thing has been that people from over 60 countries have downloaded our podcast, which on a heat map just looks uh, very, very cool. And, and it, it provides a perspective of not only how big Chelsea is as a, a squad around the world and, and a, a global brand, but also um, – you know, how fan influence can, can be received around the world as well. And that's what we are. We're, we're fans, we're supporters uh, in whatever definition Dan Levine would like to give us. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that there's, there's something to be said for, you know, a, a community of people just getting together and enjoying uh, the, the football that Chelsea is playing. And, and we, we cannot thank you enough for, you know, an English-based, American-based podcast to make it, uh, kind of this this big around the world is fantastic and just many, many things. All right. Well, with that being said, we are going to wrap this bad boy up. But before we go, Dan Levine, where should we be finding your fantastic articles and what should we be looking out for? Um, I got something coming out uh, this week. Um, I, a lot of the stuff we talked about here with uh, Wingbacks and Moses, I've read a piece for early week uh, for Eurosports. You'll be seeing it there. Also see my stuff on uh, Get West London, which is the, uh, the local paper down in um, Chelsea. And um, I do some stuff for uh, UMAXIT as well. And if you're up very, very early in the morning in the UK, you can sometimes hear me on TalkSport. The man of so many talents. We, we appreciate it, Dan, uh, for you being a guest and adding so much um, you know, of information that we had no idea about. So as always, thank you. For everyone else, you guys know the drill, okay? Big week ahead of us. We got Jose versus Chelsea. Tweet at us. Let us know what to expect and what your predictions are. And until next time, keep the blue flag flying high, Chelsea fans. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.